T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, folks. We set aside time uh, every Tuesday at 1110 uh, to talk about programs within the city uh, that highlights difference makers. They're working in the trenches. You never hear about these folks. Uh, They do a lot of work. That really is to improve the quality of life in our communities in so many different ways. I mean, they are so diverse. I've been very fortunate to uh, be able to communicate with folks that have been difference makers in a very diverse way, um, all contributing to successes in in our community. And we still face a lot of challenges. And uh, it's interesting that we're going to talk to an individual today, actually, who has provided services to inmates. And we've been, we just had a one-hour conversation about this Criminal Justice Reinvestment Act and how it works and whether or not there are rehabilitative services and whether or not the necessary dollars are appropriated here. I quoted the governor in his address yesterday because words matter. And if you tell people that you're going to do something and this is what you want to do and why, then we should be doing it. And actions speak louder than words. And that's why I brought up the point that we don't see any bills here to increase these programs, to increase funding, to to address recidivism. And there are a number of programs that have been in place over the years that have made a difference. And here to talk about one is Terry Clay, founder of Men of Recovery. He has the model for the model for men of recovery is called Addicted to the Lifestyle Counseling that he developed. And he joins us. Terry, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing this morning? Newell? Doing well, Terry. Uh, I appreciate. Yes, sir. I appreciate you coming on and and, and uh, talking about uh, founder of Men of Recovery. Tell us about it. Well, the Men of Recovery is geared toward um, supporting the curriculum that was developed uh, uh, to address the violence and, and the drugs that was that is and was so prevalent in our community. Um, the goal is recidivism and and addressing not just the drugs but also the lifestyle. Uh, perpetuated by the culture for the past 42 years, actually, uh, being specific about it and addressing uh, changing mindsets, the the science of behavioral modification. Uh, The curriculum was actually 
uh, piloted and developed here in New Orleans, because uh, you have many, many programs that are piloted and become evidence-based that were not specific to the culture of New Orleans, but uh, the addicted to the lifestyle is specific to the culture of New Orleans and the culture that promotes uh, a certain mindset that contributes to the violence and, and the drug addiction that we see today. So tell us a little bit about uh, your experience with this program. Uh, one of the things that, that uh, you've said is that early onset, um, you worked in, in an about-face substance abuse program, and it was a mandatory substance abuse counseling via court orders, right? And uh, right. the belief was is that a lot of these participants were actually users, but you exactly. found that that wasn't necessarily the truth. They were not really addicted to drugs. They were addicted to the lifestyle that you're talking about, criminal hustling, violence, selling drugs within their local communities, and engaged in what you described as this thug drug lifestyle. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, during that particular time, I, w- I was early in my, my career, and I, I began working um, in, in the parish prison with the About Face program. And we would go in, I would go in, and, and we would conduct group sessions and, and uh, get the feedback from the clients. Uh, but what we found was during that period, you know, that was, that was a period where uh, the culture promoted the drug dealing lifestyle. And what we found was that uh, a lot of the clients were trying to, well, a part of that program primarily because they could get a reduced sentence, but their, Mm -hmm. their problem wasn't really addiction to drugs. It was an addiction to the lifestyle. And so what we saw during that period was individuals who would be released, but would recidivate and wind up right back into the lifestyle and right back in jail, getting double billed, triple billed, quadruple billed, you know, but it wasn't because of a, uh, an addiction to drugs. It was an addiction to, you know, hustling and, and, and selling. And so I developed, you know, I looked at the issue and I realized that we needed to expand the the model if we was going to address, uh, uh, provide treatment for the population who was permeating the prison industry. And so I developed the Addicted to the Lifestyle to begin working with individuals who were not just addicted to drugs, but addicted to that lifestyle of hustling, selling homicidal thoughts, you know, homicidal behaviors, and the code that came with it. A lot of these individuals ended up using and abusing other people in order to kind of carry out their dastardly deeds, right? Right. Right. Well, that that became part of the code. You know, there's a code of what we call values and beliefs that goes with with the culture and the lifestyle that individuals internalize. 
So how did you break this cycle? I mean, how, if you would, for the benefit of the listening audience, talk to us of how that cycle gets broken. Well, it's not new. The concept is not new. It's just that it's culturally specific. Um, you know, one of the things that, that uh, uh, the NESW promotes is cultural competency. And many times, if you don't understand the culture and the values and the beliefs that are indoctrinated into these individuals, then you don't have any basis for providing them with alternative values, beliefs, and behaviors. What we, what I found in doing the work, to be honest with you, what I found in doing the work was a lot of uh, a large portion of the community embraced. It's almost like, you know, the old Italian mafia, a large portion of the community embraced the values and the cultures of what we call the G code of that particular culture. And so in order to, to change it, you have to understand the alternative values and principles to change the thinking and the behavior. But if you if you don't if you don't understand that you know homicide or retaliation or, or, or going into a community and setting up shop and and you know you're not just a, you know uh, promoting. Uh, uh, the drug game, you're impacting families, you're impacting children, you know, you're taking communities hostage. You know, if you don't understand that, then you you sort of sanction that behavior based upon street code. And what we're talking about and what we've done over the years is something we call taking over the community. You know, where we'll go in, we'll work with the uh, 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 gangs, we'll bring them into groups, and we'll transform their thinking and behavior and then connect them with resources. Because the recidivism rate is so high, you know, I, I worked at, at the Youth Study Center for a little while, and, and I did an assessment of the kids who were there. And what I found was that 90% of the children who were in the institution had been coming there since they was 10 years old. But there was nothing there to, to uh, work with them relative to the culture and changing their value base and helping them transition into a different lifestyle. And, and that's the key. If, if you don't have the correct intervention or behavior modification program that's specific to that culture, then we get the same result, you know, when they hit the street because the environment is one of the most influential uh, 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 things on a person's thinking and behavior. Absolutely. We're visiting with Terry Clay, founder of Men of Recovery. Terry, um, obviously breaking this cycle, it's not easy, is it? Well, put it like this. It's, it's, how can I say 
it's a form, and I'm not going to say ignorance, but, you know, we know the science of conditioning. We understand that, you know, the mindset of adolescents, that they're more influenced by their peers than they're influenced by their parents once they reach a certain age. We understand that over over the years, if you have adults who are modeling the penitentiary, who are modeling, who who think that you know going to jail, and we have that with the rap culture that you know your credibility comes with going to jail. If these are the things that we're supporting and we're not targeting, then yeah, it becomes real easy. For someone, you know, when we think about the science of it, and that's what we have to deal with, and that's what what uh, the addicted to the lifestyle deals with. We're talking about the science of behavior modification, because if you don't deal with, you know, what what has this culture in place is a scientific process. That's just the reality. Mm-hmm. And if the only way you can address it is through scientific intervention with behavior modification, addressing the thoughts and the behaviors. So, you know, it's hard when you don't it, it, know. It's no, it's, no, it's, no different, it's no different in reality, right, than any other addictive right. counseling, correct? Right, right, correct. But, but you're moving away from the physical addiction to right. a psychological mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, no, and so- the only reason I the only reason I bring it up is that um, you know we, we're we're in the context of, of of breaking away from some things that were done in in the Criminal Justice Reinvestment Act, and a lot of people want to say that alternatives to incarceration are actually cheaper than than incarceration. I don't necessarily believe that. And the reason I don't believe it is that they need people like yourself who are degreed. Uh, I think what you have a master's in, in social work, as yeah. I recall, as as well as um, a licensed mental health provider. Um, you know, right. and and you know, to have the appropriate folks that are doing and monitoring and managing these programs is not a cheap solution, um, and. But but it's a necessary solution to what we're doing uh, because just putting people in jail uh, is not going to reduce recidivism. And, you know, there has to be a way, a pathway, a reentry program where we get people to experience um, the high on life as opposed to the high on the drug that they may have been on if they or alcohol if they have an addictive disorder. If we're not treating the underlying disorder, I don't know how we expect that people are not going to recidivate. It doesn't make much sense to me. Uh, We talk about having reentry programs. You've been in this business a long time. You think we have enough? (laughs) Do do you think we have enough? Because, I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with the number that we have. It's so woefully understaffed, underserved, uh, we all talk about it, but it, it takes money to finance it, and I just don't see the political will to do it. And also consistency. Um, <laughs> consistency you know, may do- be more important than anything, right? Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, many times we get funding or programs or agencies may get funded for a three-year yeah, period. Two, 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 year two or period. three-year period, right. And then yeah, it goes away. And then, then it goes away and the problem resurfaces. So consistency in funding is key. And I agree with what you said, um, qualified individuals who understand the science of behavior modification. Um, that's also key. Uh, and I, I don't want to say too much about that, but the bottom line is, no, there are not enough re- uh, uh, programming for us reentry. But the key is when you look Let at me- the population that we're serving, you know, just being realistic here in Louisiana, we're working predominantly with African Americans, and so one of the one of the uh, struggles that we have is when you take programming and models that were created and piloted for other communities, and you use and try to apply them to the population here in Louisiana and New Orleans. It doesn't fit. It don't work. That has been shown. And so, and, and to be specific, you know, you can't take an Afrocentric or African-American community and take the cultures that is specific to them, but use a Eurocentric model to undo the conditioning process. You know, you that's why like like with substance abuse, mental health, everybody promotes cultural competency because we understand that cultural competency is the key. And it's it's not a euphemism. It's the language, it's the understanding, it's a skill that helps individuals transcend out of that state of psychosis. And that's that's what we call it, psychosis, being out of touch with the reality of our existence in our community. Terry, I would, at one point in my career, I would not have believed a single word that you just said. I had an opportunity uh, to visit when we were talking about juvenile justice reformation. And I visited Missouri. And uh, the uh, then Attorney General John Ashcroft um, for Missouri completely and totally reformed juvenile justice. I went up there twice, and I spoke to their kids in Missouri. And you are correct. Their kids are different than our kids. And they're different from our kids in a lot of different ways. And it was an eye-opening experience for me. But, you know, they had folks accredited like yourself sitting in dorms in juvenile uh, justice um, day reporting centers, incarcerated environments uh, that were sitting and talking to these kids and counseling these kids and doing everything that you just discussed eight hours a day. And the reason they have the successes that they had is that they were doing what you have been doing, but it was consistent and it was systematic. Every juvenile in that state, if X, then Y, if you did this, then this is what you had to do to come out from under criminal, uh, to come out from under juvenile justice. And Mm -hmm. you had to reach certain milestones in order to do so. 
two things that we don't do here in Louisiana well. We don't do things consistently. We don't do them systematically. And unless and until we get to that point, we will not succeed. And, you know, everybody's got a different nuance to what they want to do, how they want to do it within a system. In New Orleans, you may get uh, program A, B, C, D, and E. In some other parish, you may only get program A, C, and D. Well, why is that? If we if we're doing and like you said, evidence based outcome programs and we know that they work, the menu or the inventory of programs being offered ought to be the same. Right. No matter what judge you go before in this state, what what district court or juvenile court you you go before in this state, it ought to be systematic so that we can judge the effectiveness standardized, systematic, so that we can that we can gain a better understanding of what's actually working and what's not working, as opposed right. to the hodgepodge that we have today. And I, I see that as one of the biggest challenges that we have. We can talk a good game. We can talk all the sound bites. And I just don't see where we're going to make any progress in, in, in that respect. Um Terry, I really appreciate you joining us today. I wish we had more time. Uh, at some point, I'll get you back on for sure to talk more about this. Appreciate the work that you do each and every day, and you've been doing it a long time. I know, I think, some over 20 years for sure, um, and we appreciate that as well. Years. <laughs> 25 years. 25 years and counting, right? Terry Clay, founder of Men of Recovery. Thank you so much, sir. Best of luck to you. I thank you. I thank you for having me on. Thank you, sir. We'll be right back, folks. 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. We're going to go to the uh, talk lines. We hope to hear from you. What do you think about what's going on in this crime session, this special session in Baton Rouge? Stay with us. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.